0: Well, not a happy- go-lucky gospel today. <laughs> if there's what there's many many ways to go with all the scripture today, but in the gospel, if there's one thing that's clear is don't get into a verbal argument with Jesus, right? Jesus, Jesus will win. Um, but more than that, the scripture is about authority and action and about how you can tell by whose authority you are empowered by the type of action you are engaged in. So that's the whole crux of my sermon right there, which I forgot to say at 10.30. So <laughs> they, they were a little confused, but that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> but that's it you know when jesus said the first son said i will not go but then he went um he was doing uh the work of um of god and even though his words said one thing his actions showed that he was in fact committed the other son said i will go and then didn't do anything so, by his actions, he showed that he was not committed. The folks who were asking Jesus uh, why he was in the temple and by whose authority he was in the temple were, wouldn't even give their actual opinion. They just said, you know, what they thought was safe. They said what they thought was safe. So again, today is about your actions showing by whose authority you are empowered, and whether you're committed to the work of God, the work of good, the work of love and mercy and justice um, with your heart, soul, and mind, or... Just your words. We had our vestry retreat this weekend, and one of the members of the vestry, uh, Gladys Valles, who usually comes here, Gladys, are you online? <laughs> but she told a great story at caller. <laughs> she she reminded us of this great um, tale about St. Francis and his community, and. Um, It goes something like this that um, Francis would, St. Francis would tell his uh, brothers every once in a while, We're going to go to such and such a town to go preach the gospel. And he would go, and they would go there, and they would say, They wouldn't go to the church. They would go and they would feed the hungry. They would help mend a fence. They would help take care of a flock or a crop. They would show up at the widow's house and and do whatever she needed to be done. And they would sing a song with someone who was sad and lonely. And um, one day a new brother joined and went with the community to a small town to preach the gospel, as Francis said. And they did all these things. And he he went up to St. Francis and he said, I thought you said we were gonna preach the gospel. And St. Francis said, we did. We fed the hungry, we helped the widow, we helped the worker, we sang with the um, sad. And so actions often um, preach and point to by whose authority we are doing them. When we're healing, when we're... um, In solidarity, when we're helping, when we're going alongside of those who are hurting or lonely or oppressed, then we're preaching the gospel of Christ. So, yesterday was also a day of celebration in the Church of the Advocate in Philadelphia, where they held the world premiere. Um, of a movie a documentary on the Philadelphia 11 and this isn't some people who were um, arrested but a group of women who were ordained irregularly um, 49 years ago on um, in July and this documentary um, is, is in preparation for the 50th anniversary next year and it's a beautiful story, especially since you all um, are here at Trinity Episcopal Church. So you obviously are in favor of the ordination of women, <laughs> to which um, we would not, um, uh, uh, to which we owe a debt of gratitude to these eleven women who um, said, you know. Uh, We will defy the church at that point and go ahead and receive ordination. So the story is that um, they had been trying to go through legal channels in the 70s, 1974, of the Episcopal Church, and they put legislation and resolutions before the governing body, General Convention, and none of it had passed. There wasn't a canon... Specifically, or a law specifically um, outlawing the ordination of women, but it wasn't done. It hadn't been done, it wasn't done, and it wasn't approved. And so um, they thought that avenue was closed for them. So four bishops, three retired. So they were just like, we support you, we support these women, we're going to participate. And it was kind of safe for them because they were already retired and, you know, (laughs) they weren't going to get fired or whatever. Um, You can't really fire a bishop, but, you know, and then um, censored or whatever. But there was a fourth bishop that was present that day who actually risked a lot. And I want to hold him up as a uh, Saying in the church, a Latino saint. He was a bishop of Costa Rica at the time, Bishop Antonio Ramos. And he was the only active bishop that participated in this. So very courageous and a trailblazer and really supported the ordination of women, Antonio Ramos. And so um, the other part of this history that's interesting, a little interesting tidbit, I forgot to say at 10.30. <laughs> <laughs> I, needed, I needed a little sugar before 10.30 today. But anyway, um, was that the first woman ordained a bishop in the Episcopal Church was the crucifer, at Barbara Harris, mm-hmm. uh, the right, Reverend Barbara Harris, was a crucifer at this ordination, this irregular ordination of these 11 women to the priesthood. Um, and 49 years ago, and and then she, I think she was a member of the Church of the Advocate, which was chosen because it was a church and a community that had been very, very active in the civil rights movement. So the con- the congregation was very supportive. The church was packed that day, and while there were some protests talking about how this ordination and these women only. Um, I mean, there's some terrible quotes, you know, about how they're, um, uh this one guy was interviewed saying, they're like the 12 little Indians, these 11 little ladies, they should go away. It was terrible. Racist, sexist stuff. And then another thing someone said was, these women only show er, er, perversion. Just terrible stuff, right? And so, um, there was a bishop who also said, that was against the ordination of women, who also said that he he really was for the ordination of women. And this is actually what my grandfather, who was Episcopal priest, said. But he was against it being out of order. So he didn't like that it was out of order. They should wait for the church to pass it. And so... Um, one of the women or one of their friends said to that particular bishop, "Well, then you don't celebrate the Fourth of July, right? Because that was out of order for the British Empire. Like the you know Independence Day was cut kind of, and then and then you don't you don't um, you don't actually celebrate the Church of England or the Episcopal Church because, That was out of order in its day. It broke from the Roman Catholic Church. So the point being that certain things that are out of order um, were actually the right action at the time. The preacher that day was um, uh, uh, African-American professor at Harvard Uh, a distinguished gentleman whose name I forgot. Um, And I'm not going to shuffle through my papers, but uh, but, um, uh, I will, and I'll say it at the prayers of the people. (laughs) But he was a preacher that day, and I remember this quote was that this was not an act of arrogant posturing or demands, but an act of tender defiance an act of tender defiance. These women got called to um, serve God through the church. And they they didn't know each other, some of them. They were from all over the country, some conservative, some uh, progressive. You know, they were just a mix. Um, Some were poets, some were uh, teachers, some became seminary professors. The one that captures my attention is a Jeanette Picard who was called the first woman in space because she was the first woman to have a hot air balloon uh, pilot's license and she went into the stratosphere. And so she was called the first woman in space and she, um, not only was she Episcopal priest, but she was an a advisor to NASA. So, being the first woman in space, as somebody at 8 o'clock pointed out to me, she was the most high priestess. <laughs> Bad joke, but I had to say it. I love it. Um, so by whose authority did they break those rules? By the authority of the Holy Spirit. And you can tell because the actions opened up the church to God's spirit and to ministry. And those who were against it were um, um, not authentic with their word. They tried to make excuses with their word. So, um, um, talking about being authentic with your word, I also want to talk about the book that we... Studied a little bit today in the education hour with the adults. It's called Mañana, and it's a it's a book. It's about 30 years old, but it was a pivotal book for me. It was written by a Methodist, um, Justo Gonzalez, who's uh, Cuban origin, and there are many many pieces of that book that were wonderful. Some of them are a little dated now, but some of them are unfortunately still contemporary. And one of the things that he spoke about was um, the spirit of mañana, which um, in his time 30 years ago, was oft, when he wrote the book, was often used as a word to insult uh, Latinos and in that stereotype of uh, you know, some of the hardest workers in the world being lazy, right? So that stereotype of the Mexican with the sombrero down taking a siesta and you know how often people say, well, the poor should just work harder when they're, they have three jobs and they're working harder than anybody. And so he took that word, like other groups have taken words and used them, um, and changed the meaning and used them as empowerment. And in this theology that he proposed that is still so beautiful, he says, mañana for Latino people, he says Hispanic people, means really a vision for the kingdom of God, that tomorrow has to be better because tomorrow we will get closer to God's just kingdom, which is um, the phrase that uh, Dean Kelly Brown Douglas uses and I love it, that tomorrow we'll get closer to the reign of God, that tomorrow will be better. And that tomorrow is not just a vision, but it's also a judgment on the day we are living today which is not a day often of mercy and justice and equality and love, but a day of injustice, a day of lack of mercy, a day of um, division. And so this manana is actually a word of hope, not an insult, not, um, but a, a characteristic of always being a hopeful people, no matter what happens. And so... And his, his, his turning that word around and, um, as an empowering word, the authority behind how to define that theology is the Spirit of God and is, um, is the Holy One. Well, I guess I've come to the end of my sermon. With just a couple few things to say. A couple more things to say. You know, um, I don't think we have to choose between being either of the sons in the stories today. Of saying no and then doing something different. Or saying yes and then not doing anything at all. There's a call to try to be a people of integrity, right? And so I'm going to quote my... Uh, our diocesan bishop, Andy Doyle, who, I think it was at a clergy conference, but I'm not 100% sure, um, told us this. The best way to evangelize is to tell people you're a Christian and then not be a jerk. Amen.